Are you underutilizing one of the most powerful restaurant marketing tools on the planet? What do 92 million monthly Yelp searchers see when they land on your page? Is your content accurate and attention grabbing? Are you using every conversion tool possible to set yourself apart? Yelp is here to help. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to sign up for a one-on-one with a specialist that will review your Yelp page and share tips to help you stand out. Again, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to supercharge your Yelp page today. Now here we go it changes what it looks like i think we have to look at it and refresh what education is i think it has to be experiential i think there has to be more hands-on skill training we're going to have a lot of new folks that aren't even millennials that are probably gen zers that are going to be coming out that are the sort of new next gen if you will how do we make sure that they've got the skills to thrive and build their experiences and move along on a career trajectory Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Hey, it's Josh. If you're listening to this podcast, it's for the same reason that I created it, to scale your restaurant and improve your life. Let's do it together. I'm launching a nine-week case study, and I'm looking for five restaurant owners with only one focus, massively scaling profit. Go to restaurantcasestudy.com to apply today. Again, go to restaurantcasestudy.com to apply today. What's the best event you've ever been to? What made it special? What do you remember most vividly about that experience? One of my favorites is Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans an event as dynamic as the city it was born in. Today, we chat with Eileen Wainer, the CEO of the foundation, to talk about what it takes to create an event that is as educational as it is entertaining for the last 20 years. If I'm being very candid and honest, while I was in it, while we were in it, I don't think anybody could possibly process it as either one of those scenarios. I think all of us were just trying to comprehend what was happening and what the potential impact of what was happening was going to be and to ensure that the community that we supported had resources, had opportunities for dialogue, had Tales of the Cocktail Foundation's platform to share ideas, to connect. Thinking back to that year, we had to make the call really early on to cancel Tales on Tour in Puerto Rico. This was like a month before Puerto Rico and well before any of us fully wrapped our mind around just how catastrophic this would be. And for us, we knew that what Tales does is bring communities together. And what we were going to do in Puerto Rico is bring a huge global community to Puerto Rico. And we felt a distinct responsibility to protect the community in Puerto Rico and to minimize risk for them. And so we made the call, the really difficult call early on to cancel that. And then, of course, naively thought, we'll be back in tails in July. No big deal. We'll just refocus our efforts. And then clearly, that's not how the timeline works. So once we realized the gravity of the situation, we did see it to a certain extent, not as an opportunity, but as a responsibility to reshape entirely what our education looked like last year. I mean, we had met with our education committee in January 
to plan that July. And when we got to July, we looked up, realized we couldn't host an event. And not only that, the education that we had developed for that event was completely irrelevant. We needed to focus on COVID relief. We needed to focus on mental health resources. We needed to create opportunities for people to connect, whether it's through, as you'll recall, those fun happy hours that we did over Zoom and just creating a sense of community so that people didn't feel like they were going through this alone. And I think that for us has evolved over the last couple of years in what we've presented in our last two sort of first digital conference, which we were really the first in the industry to do. And, you know, in many ways, I'm so proud of our education. I'm so proud of what we presented. We learned a lot about which platforms to use and not to use in order to deliver education. But I'm so proud of that. And then we were able to evolve this past year in September, where we were actually able to offer some hybrid in-person activations, events, opportunities for people to reconnect. And so it's been a really tough journey, but also the foundation is bolstered by its committees. And one of the things that I think is so incredible about our foundation is that we don't ever make decisions in a vacuum, right? We are for the industry, but I think maybe more importantly, we are by the industry. Some of the brightest minds in the industry like actually support us in our education committee, help guide us in thinking through critical issues. And so we have the privilege of being a convener of these amazing minds to help really decide what is relevant, what's important, have difficult conversations, et cetera. So Lord knows that when we look at the introduction of the BLM movement and the Me Too movement, I mean, this is a period of historic change in our industry. I mean, you as a foundation and as an event have evolved and changed with it. But maybe for those that don't know, can you talk to me about what the original mission of Tales of the Cocktail was and how that has evolved, especially in light of everything that's happened in recent years? I mean, Tales began as a walking tour of the French Quarter in New Orleans, a walking tour of cocktail bars. And over time, it grew to incorporate the brightest minds of the industry to share ideas, to talk, to create these crazy, amazing activations in New Orleans. And when the foundation took over ownership three years ago, 2018, we took over with the full intention to be really authentic in our goals for the foundation. And so we knew that we wanted to broaden our work to be year-round, to focus on not just delivering the world's best cocktail conference, but to offering resources to the industry year-round through grants, through really looking at our education, bringing in a full education committee instead of a single director to really make sure that we are asking for input, for ideas from a much broader, much more diverse group both nationally, internationally, to help inform what that looks like. And I think over the last couple of years specifically, we've been able to remain relevant because of our ability to foster and strengthen that sense of community and because of the just really high standards for and focus on education, where I feel very strongly that we have unparalleled breadth, depth, diversity of seminars across all of our three tracks, whether it's business, culture, and beyond the bar. And beyond the bar and grants were two of our key initiatives that we formulated back in 2018 when we first started. And we knew that those things were really important to us. And if you're not familiar with beyond the bar, it's a whole set of programming and resources to support the bartender 
beyond the bar, right? So working to really be thoughtful about developing a code of conduct around what our expectations are for participating at the conference, whether it's in person or digital. If you're going to work with the foundation, we really strictly require that you adhere to that code of conduct because safety and equity is taken very seriously across our organization. And we offered Beyond the Bar programming, which is anything from a 24-7 hotline to working with RAIN to develop that code of conduct to a whole series of resources and training to make sure that everything from learning how to balance your checkbook to mental health resources to just making sure that we're not just focusing on the bar itself. And so as we approached the, frankly, social reckoning that was happening in our country, we were really able to focus on that Beyond the Bar program to make sure that we continue to offer those resources. We developed a whole series around full hands in, full hands out, which showcased a myriad number of industry leaders around career and finance savvy, focusing on Black-owned spirits, looking at lessons that were learned in real time on how to recover your business or navigate COVID in Europe, in Asia. We were able to really focus on making sure that we were incorporating voices that frankly needed to be heard and needed to share experiences. And so we've been really fortunate to be able to do this work and to work with our committees, who in many ways are our peers and our attendees, to ensure that they're our steering committee in asking the right questions, making sure our education is presenting the right ideas. And then we were also able to require DEI training across our committees, which all of our committee members were thrilled to be able to have. And we made those resources available so that before a committee member was voting on education, they were provided with the right training to understand what their own biases were. It's really something that we're very passionate about and something that we are very imperfect in how we do our work, obviously, but we earnestly have tried from the beginning of the foundation start to really incorporate this into our work. I think, and myself included for quite some time, when you think of Tales of the Cocktail, you think of booze, not realizing that booze is the vehicle, right? Like that's the lure to get you through. That That isn't the end of the conversation. That's just where it starts. And I'm curious to know, so I'm from Baton Rouge. You're seated in New Orleans. In terms of the overall evolution of the event, how much of that is informed by being seated in New Orleans? Because I'd argue that over the last 10 years, New Orleans has changed massively. Forgetting everything that we saw with Katrina and how that reshaped infrastructurally, culturally, the city has changed and evolved and become this really open-minded melting pot. And how has that influenced the event itself? I mean, New Orleans is and always will be the home of Tales of the Cocktail. We may have Tales on Tour, we may have other sort of spinoff events, but there is no way to replicate Tales of the Cocktail because there's no other place other than New Orleans to host it. I mean, New Orleans is just, you know, it's a leader in its own right in hospitality, in innovation, in creativity. And I think there's just something magical that happens when bartenders from around the world with the most diverse set of experiences, skills, styles come together that in the environment in New Orleans, because it's so rich historically, culturally, because there's such a robust tradition of black bars and bartenders, of music, of arts, of culinary traditions, 
that it just creates an environment where people are excited to share ideas, are excited to learn new things, to taste new things, to experience new things. And so New Orleans certainly is changing, has changed. And as you know, too, from being from the area, we're still recovering from Ida. We're still recovering from COVID. It's a tough city because it has had to be. And I hear a lot of people talk about how resilient New Orleans is. And I know people from New Orleans kind of roll their eyes when they hear that, because frankly, we've had to be and been left to our own devices in so many ways. And I think because of that environment, it sparks such an ingenuity and approach to life that I think makes hosting tales there just so critically important. And I think as we move into the next year, next year is our 20th anniversary. We're coming back to New Orleans in the biggest, grandest way possible. We are actively looking to work within our New Orleans community to create that experience to make sure that we're connecting bartenders from New Orleans to the education we're offering. Those are the folks that are often working the work the week of tales while everybody's enjoying the education and the activations. But we want to really make sure that we're connecting with New Orleans in a new way because things have changed so much. 20 years is a long time. And I think that there are tons of events that have made it 10 years and fizzled out or 15 years and fizzled out. I think it's hard to maintain momentum over time. And I also think everyone loves to talk about millennials, but whether we like it or not, they're the future of this industry because they're the future of this planet. And so this event has had to change and evolve over time to meet not only the changing needs of the participants, but also the changing cultural values of the attendees. And so I bring that up because I'm curious to know what checks and balances are in place. How do you inspire such a high attendance level year after year. And then the second question on top of that is what are the essential elements of the event? What makes this a great event as you define it in your own mind? I think it's so interesting and we're having real-time conversations right now with our education committee about what on earth does education look like now after two years of having free, just broad access to education. What does that look like as we return to an event that one of the core components of is education? And so I think it's a really interesting question that not even within our industry, all folks that are sort of coming together after having this democratized two years of information, what does that now mean? What do people need, right? And how do we serve our industry? We know a couple of things, right? There's been a tremendous amount of attrition in our industry. So many people have suffered. So many people have been displaced from their jobs because there's no social safety nets, because of a myriad of reasons that if you want me to get into, I'd be happy to. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> and so we're certainly asking those questions of ourselves is, yes, we are certainly millennials. We have had the opportunity to work with 20 years of education and experiences before us. And so... I think it changes what it looks like. I think we have to look at it and refresh what education is. I think it has to be experiential. I think there has to be more hands-on skill training. We're going to have a lot of new folks that aren't even millennials, that are probably Gen Zers that are going to be coming out that are the sort of new next gen, if you will, of the industry. And so we have to think about how do we make sure that they feel excited about bartending as a career? How do we make sure that they've got the skills to thrive 
and build their experiences and move along on a career trajectory. But also, like, I want to have fun again in my learning. And we want to make sure that what we're offering next year, none of this is quite nailed down yet, but like, are there lab style things that we can do? Are there ways that we can touch and feel and work on technique again? Can we look at education in smaller bites, like TED Talks, 15, 30 minute versions where you can clearly communicate an idea or ideas in addition to traditional formats of panel discussions with like the luminaries of the industry? So how do we make sure that we're asking all these questions and maybe we've got the formula right over the last couple of years, but I also think there is an opportunity to add a new level of education and experience on site. So I think that's maybe my first part to your question. And then the second part is, you know, thinking about what makes Tales special and acknowledging that I've talked a lot about education, but a lot of it is about experiencing the sort of community of tales and then also experiencing all the sort of brands and products and tastes, if you will, that in many ways get debuted at tales. And, and a lot of those ideas get shared at tales. And so as we think about what really works well at tales, I think those are the things that we need to figure out how to employ and how to execute. I think it's an interesting challenge. We know that tasting rooms are a really special way to engage with big brands and small brands. We know that we've got to create specific ways for people to interact and network, whether that's offering more career development opportunities this year for folks that are just starting out in the industry and want to understand what a trajectory looks like, to folks that have been owning bars and running businesses for a long time that have been just ingrained in COVID survival and now want to think about what does the hospitality industry 2.0 look like? What do we need to learn from our peers? What do we need to share? Are there ways to diversify our business that makes sense now for the longer term? And making sure that we're creating opportunities, not just for the new folks to the industry, but for the folks that keep returning that maybe launching an RTD or a new product that maybe never have done that and making sure that we're creating business connections now that allow that sort of work to happen. And so I think for me, as I'm thinking about the formula of tales, it's got to be a combination of what we know is tried and true and what's signature to tales, but also allowing for some of that new, fresh thinking. You talked about luring people back to bartending as a career, which honestly kind of feels like a tall order. What is that pitch? Do you want to work part-time to full-time? And how do you feel about subsidized healthcare? Because if you're against it, we've got the job for you. How do we, as an industry, lure people back without a better offer? Because I would argue that that's probably in large part why we lost people. I agree with you. I think this industry has got a lot of work to do. And as far as Tales is concerned, like I'm not interested in going back to any sort of business practices that happened two years ago. We've got to design a 2.0 industry that is much more focused on supporting workers, is much more driven to treat this industry as a career and thinking about how we can take a page out of other unions, organized groups that have been able to ensure that there is healthcare, that there is a livable wage, that there are opportunities for leaves. You can take care of your kids so you can actually have some safety nets in place so that you can thrive in your job. And I think 
those are initiatives that we are very excited about and have active conversations about and support in small ways through our grants. And I think the next year, 2022, is going to be really interesting on the political landscape to see what happens around workers' rights individually. I think obviously there were some safety nets for restaurants and bars, but there really weren't for individual workers. And in order for us to lure people back and get people excited, I think there's got to be some fundamental change. Absolutely. Do you see anyone doing it right? Do you see anyone doing it now? I think there are a lot of people that are trying to do the work. And I know that there are a lot of initiatives and conversations around how to do that specifically from the angle of the worker and from the bartender and the bar back and the server. And I think we've got a lot of work to do. And we're Tails Foundation is certainly engaged in a lot of conversations and hope to roll out some initiatives in the next year that support that work. It's a little premature to announce those. Yeah, but we are working in that direction because it has to change. It has to change. Well, let's look forward. Let's talk about the foundation and the initiatives that you have rolling out this year, next year. What are you most excited about? I mean, the obvious is getting everybody back together in July. We announced our dates July 25th through 29th. We're at a new host property at the Ritz-Carlton in New Orleans, which we are thrilled with the space, the event flow. I think that 20-year anniversary is a huge focus of ours. We announced our theme at the conference this year for 2022, which is progress. And I think we've got to look critically at the progress of the industry and the foundation's role within it and think about what comes next. I think there's going to be a lot of storytelling and a lot of reflection and a lot of opportunities for dialogue in the next year that really focus on progress and what that's going to mean. I'm also really excited. We took, rightfully so, a year off from our Spirited Awards. We acknowledge our Spirited Awards are awarded for the year previous. And so clearly for all of 2020, there was absolutely no way to equitably award bars. It felt like, you know, a rate of just an environment that would just not be positive in any way of supporting our bar community. So we instead focused on roundtables to project trends for the upcoming years and to really focus on new voices from regions that we haven't really heard from yet through the Spirited Awards platform. So I'm really excited to see that evolution back to in-person awards, back to acknowledging what people have been up to, sharing those stories, those innovations, those ideas, again, with our community. I'm also excited about some of our annual programming. Through Tales over the last two years, we've engaged with 100 different countries through our digital education. And I'm really excited to continue the digital education model into the future, because I think there's a role for it that allows people to access Tales and the networks and education that we're able to offer through a much more democratic platform. Not everybody can afford to travel, right? But that shouldn't preclude people from having access to information and access to people. And then I think we've got some cool campaigns and things that are going to be launched and announced in January that are going to be fun and going to be focused on what makes the industry exciting and hopefully get people amped up about the work that we get to do and what hospitality is. And I'm hopeful that all those things can come together in a a year that's a little less fraught than the last two years. One of the biggest evolutions that I've seen in Tales is that this event, this organization, 
It's taking a position. As an example, when you listen to my show, I'm pushing an agenda. Everyone knows that. There are very specific things that I want to see out of this industry, that I want to contribute to this industry. I am on a mission to affect change in the way that I see it. I'm trying to pitch everyone that's listening on the future that I see. And it's fine for me to do because I'm a one-man show. It's just me. But you're helming an entire organization. And that organization is taking positions, positions I agree with, which is why we're talking. But I would assume that there's got to be some concern there, right? It's a brave choice. And so in rounding out the interview, I would love to hear from you. What is your position and what is the vision that you see for the future of our industry? That's a great, big question. And I think I will answer it from the perspective of the foundation. And it's this, like, we exist to support, to educate, and provide resources to the global drinks industry, right? And I think as I look to the future for this organization, it has got to continue to create an environment where innovation can happen, where ideas are shared. That's typically through our Tails platform, but I also think there's room for growth, right? We've learned over the last couple of years that information can be democratized in a whole new way. And I feel responsible now that we've learned a few things over the last couple of years, I feel responsible for ensuring that we continue to make that education, those resources available to our global community, because we all thrive when we all thrive, right? And I think that's a critical component of what I want to see moving forward. I also think to our earlier conversation, we have got to do the work to ensure that workers are protected in our industry. There is no clear way to do that yet. And I think we've got to do that through building partnerships with organizations. We've got to do that through hard work of actual like political work. And I think we've got to get people reinvigorated and excited about being a part of the bartending global drinks industry community again. We have got to recreate that community in a new way and get people excited about it. And I think the foundation has a responsibility to use our platform to create programming, to amplify programming, to find individuals that are doing the work, to share that work, to get those folks on our committees so they can shape what comes next, to make sure that as we're evaluating our role, we're always asking the hard questions about, are the right people at the table? Are we listening to those voices? Are those folks able to reach out to the global community to share their stories, their ideas. We have to be really purposeful about that. And we need to make sure that we're arming our internal extended team with the resources to do that well. It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I'd like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to offer? I would say hospitality is the best industry in the world. And it's amazing what each individual gets to accomplish in a myriad of different ways. Like what I think is the most amazing about this industry is its ability to continue to cultivate relationships, to recreate how we communicate with each other and what helping, serving, supporting means. And I think as we navigate the last couple of years and look forward, I would just encourage people to keep doing what they're doing and to know that they're part of a big community that loves hospitality, that loves our work, 
and you're not in it by yourself. There's a lot of people that are here to support, and I hope the foundation can continue to support. That's Eileen Weiner. For more on Tales of the Cocktail, visit talesofthecocktail.org. If you want to tell us your story or refer someone to be a guest on the show, email us at booking at fullcomp.media. To hear previous episodes or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel, and you've been listening to Full Comp.